My friend Jake and I just left a party downtown. It was 12.30 in the morning, but we were still riding high from the good times. Music blasting, we were rocking out on our way home. A night well spent with close friends, we couldn't have been happier. This was back in the early 90s, and I was driving a 1988 Cherokee with a tape deck. The good old days, before the internet and cell phones, consumed everyone's existence. My center console full of mixtapes, we'd recorded off the radio, wrecking the speakers in that Jeep. Jake and I lived in an apartment right on the edge of the city limits. It wasn't glamorous, but it attached to a main road, which led us right into downtown. We pulled up to a stoplight, a frustratingly long one that always seemed to be red regardless of how much traffic there was or the time of day. There was a car already stopped there, sitting in the right turn lane at the red light. This was probably the first car we'd seen in the last 15 miles. We pulled up to the limit line as well, annoyed that we were being stopped at this intersection with no other traffic in sight. Jake looked over at the car next to us in the right lane. A black car, windows tinted so darkly that we couldn't see inside, especially in the middle of the night. This guy knows he can go, right? Jake said to me, with a little bit of a chuckle in his voice. I laughed then, knowing that Jake wouldn't be able to resist an opportunity to make a joke out of the situation. I don't know, I said, laughing a little. Maybe you should let him know. Jake smiled, sensing the dare and grabbing the handle to start lowering the window. After sufficiently cranking the window low enough, Jake undid his seatbelt and pushed his upper body up out of the passenger window of the car. As it happened, the light turned green as he did this, but that didn't deter him. He put out both of his middle fingers and shouted at the car next to us. Go, idiot! He said, almost unnecessarily long and drawn out to emphasize he thought this person was stupid. Laughing. I hit the gas, speeding off in the straight lane, away from the car turning right. We were both dying with laughter, proud of ourselves for this stupid joke we just made. The joviality was cut short, though, as we felt the impact to the rear of our vehicle. I looked in the rear view and saw the black car behind us, following very close. They had intentionally slammed into us. What the heck? Jake said out loud, looking back at the car in surprise. The high beams came on then. Another burst of sound came from the pursuing engine. The black car rammed us again, this time almost sending me out of my lane. Jeez, I shouted, gripping the wheel and steadying the car. Jake was looking nervous now, gripping the sides of his seat, looking out the back window. I didn't wait to have any conversation about it. I hit the gas, trying to use speed to put some distance between us and the pursuing car. This worked at first, but the car sped up as well closing the distance. They were right on our tail again, high beam still on, and now they were honking, trying to, I don't know, get us to pull over, I suppose? That wasn't going to happen. I tried to brake check them then, maybe throw them off us a little bit. The car braked hard and swerved to avoid hitting us harder than they meant to. I hit the gas again, trying to see if this discouraged them. It did not. The car sped up again, closing the distance and getting right back on our tail. I jerked the wheel, steering us into a series of windy neighborhood streets. Maybe I could lose them in here, get them turned around and lost, I thought. I glanced at Jake, who seemed to be glued to his seat, hands white-knuckling the armrest and center console. 
The neighborhood had lots of trees and vegetation. Maybe we could lose them around a corner. I took one sharply, tires skidding slightly on the pavement as I made a maneuver the jeep was never designed for. Flicking off the headlights, I took another turn to the left and then into a driveway behind a tall shrub. I killed the engine and we sat there, hearts pounding, breathing heavily. I only realized then that if they caught us here, we'd be completely blocked in without any means of escape. The short time that passed seemed like hours, but the pursuing car drove by slowly, undoubtedly looking down each street for us. Thankfully, they did not see us behind the shrub and continued their search elsewhere. Jake breathed a sigh of relief as they passed. What the heck, man? He said at last. Why are they doing this? I just shook my head, words escaping me in that moment. All I wanted to do was find our way back to the apartment and lock all the doors and windows. We sat in that driveway for a couple more minutes and then took the chance and turned the car back on. I crept out slowly to the main street, looping around the neighborhood. Keeping my lights off, I made my way back to the entrance, retracing our path that we took to evade the pursuer. I'd never felt so paranoid in my life. I was checking every dark space between houses, even behind bushes, like the car could simply leap out from a shrub and get back on our tail. As we reached the exit, and I pulled up to the limit line to make a turn onto the arterial, my gut churned as a set of high beams flipped on from my left. A stationary car had turned on and was now moving in behind us. They had just been waiting, waiting for us to try to leave so they didn't have to search. I hit the gas and pulled onto the arterial at high speed. They followed, mirroring our movements. I tried to make more drastic turns, but our pursuer was not dissuaded from the chase, nor did they lose us despite some reckless turns I took. It was as if they knew the area like I did, anticipating the turns I was going to make. Jake looked back again to confirm the other car was still there. What are we gonna do? He said, the panic apparent in his voice. We can't go home. We can't go home with the psycho behind us. We were getting closer to our apartment complex, and I agreed with Jake. There was no way we could go home. That would mean letting this person know where we lived. I continued on past our turn and headed outside of the city limits. I knew about a sheriff's station, maybe a mile down the road from here. It was the only place I could think to go to. The car was still right on our tail, the high beams causing me to squint as the reflection on all of my mirrors became blinding. Finally, though, the sheriff's station came into view. I slowed and turned left into the parking lot. I was grateful to see that several police vehicles were here, and there were officers outside. They seemed to be doing a shift change. The pursuing car sat in the street briefly, and then suddenly took a U-turn right there in the middle of the road and drove away. We breathed again. Hopefully this pursuit was finally over. One of the sheriff's deputies approached our car then. They obviously had noticed us pulling into the lot. Everything okay over here, guys? The officer said. I looked over at him for a moment, still trying to formulate this experience into words. We were being chased by that car back there. We tried to lose him, but he kept after us. We pulled in here, and he finally seemed to give up. I explained. The officer looked up from her car and down the road, trying to see a set of taillights that had long since disappeared out of sight. Can you give me a detailed description of what happened? Did you happen to get the license plate number while this was happening? 
the officer asked. I realized then that we hadn't even thought about that. Kicking myself, we recounted our full story. In the stress of the situation, we hadn't noted anything useful about the car's description other than that it was dark and tinted. The sheriff deputy was kind, but explained that there wasn't much they could do. They offered to send us to our apartment with a police vehicle leading the way, which we were grateful to have. The mile down the road to the apartment complex was calm, no sign of the car that had been chasing us. We parked in front of the stairs leading up to our apartment and thanked the officer who escorted us. They said to give them a call if we ran into any other trouble and then drove off to start their patrol. Jake and I made our way up the stairs, thankful that we had made it here safely. We got inside and immediately slid the deadbolt and chain into place. Jake ran around to all the windows and the sliding door to the balcony, ensuring that everything was locked. We were still completely shaken up, but tired nonetheless. It was now about two in the morning, and we were exhausted from the events of the drive home. Jake had had enough, I think. He said goodnight and disappeared into his room. I went to mine as well, intent on putting this night behind me with a good night's sleep. My head hit the pillow on my bed, and I was asleep almost immediately body drifting into sleep now that we were safe behind locked doors and windows. It was at about four in the morning that I woke to a sound in my room, a creaking noise coming from the far wall from my bed. My closet door was opening, slowly, as if someone was trying to move the accordion fold doors as quietly as possible. I sat up in bed, eyes foggy from the interrupted deep sleep that I was in. Before I even had a chance to react, a person came rushing out of the closet into my room. I yelled out and jumped out of the bed, but I was too slow. This person slammed into me, throwing me into the wall, making me stagger and stumble toward the door. I grabbed the handle of my door and opened it to flee into the living area, which is when I saw the glint of metal in the intruder's hand reflecting off the moonlight coming through my window. I dashed out into the living area, but they were there after me immediately. They tried to stab me, which I only narrowly avoided being a fatal injury, the knife instead slicing open my arm. I cried out as the sharp pain exploded in my head, and I moved my hand to cover the wound. The intruder knocked me down then and moved on top of me, knife in their hand, ready to come down. Jake was there then, woken up by the commotion from the attack. He slammed into the intruder, knocking them off of me. I got up then as well, piling on and attempting to hold them down. My hands and wrists took several more cuts until we finally managed to wrestle the knife from them. Jake was on top of them then, holding them down. Call 911, quick! He shouted. I leapt to my feet and ran to the corded phone affixed to the wall outside the kitchen. I dialed the number and pleaded for help. When the operator had assured me that officers were on the way, I moved back to help Jake, forcing the struggling intruder down and subduing them. The police were there rather quickly. They had apparently kept a patrol close to our apartment, just in case something happened. They rushed through the door and apprehended the intruder, who was still fighting and struggling with them as they were being arrested. We were all taken to the police station to go through the events of what happened after we got home. It would turn out that our pursuer and eventual intruder into our home had recognized us. When Jake leaned out the window to insult them, they saw immediately who we were 
that we lived in this apartment complex. They knew this because they were our landlord, an employee of the property management company that managed the front office. When we had gone to the sheriff's station, they turned around and went right to our apartments. Because they managed the property, they had a key and were able to gain access to our residence while we spent time at the station giving our story. They were booked into jail on a laundry list of charges. The property management company summarily fired them and assured us that they would be cooperating fully with authorities. We didn't stick around, though. Broke the lease that week, which the management company allowed us to do without any additional fees given the situation. With a violent, crazed person like this knowing where we lived, we didn't feel safe in that apartment. Despite this, we can't help but think back to what started all of this. A stupid, insulting joke on the road turning into a run for our lives. I wonder if we weren't immature, if we weren't carelessly rude and insulting, if we would never have gone through this. I'm much more careful on the road now, not knowing what insane person I could run into, that any one of them could snap and come after me. <laughs>